Hi beauties, welcome to the Beyond Beauty Project with your host Bridget Burrick-Brown, the show that's redefining the meaning of beauty. Enjoy, and we're so happy to have you part of the conversation. Hi everybody, and welcome to the Beyond Beauty Project. Today I am here with longtime friend Nicole Schumann. We met many, many years ago at our dance studio in Michigan where we both grew up. Juliana's Academy of Dance. If you don't know Nicole personally, you might know her as a rocket. She danced for 17 years at Radio City in New York City. She performed with numerous artists, numerous events, just to name a few, Pitbull, Enrique Iglesias. I love Pitbull, by the way. The Today Show, America's Got Talent. The Rangers, the Knicks, a few of the halftime Super Bowls. The list goes on, really. I mean, I could say that well. The girl is talented. Currently, she is studying at the Harvard Extension School with a 4.0, which I'm not surprised. You know, we haven't seen each other in years. And I love social media for the fact that we all get to keep in touch. And you're definitely one of those people I follow that inspires me daily i feel like you're just so creative and you're so giving so i'm so excited to talk with you today how did you become interested in being a rocket or what was the journey so friends of mine from from juliana's who we danced with were going to the audition and they knew about it and i had no idea about the audition i had seen the show and I had done a rocket workshop in New York City once and made some good contacts there. But, you know, at, when as a teenager, I was kind of a little bit of a rudderless shit. I knew that I wanted to be a dancer and I, I almost didn't care where I landed as long as I landed somewhere. But I, I mean, the day before we left, my mom was buying me tap shoes at Lucy and Ethel's dance studio. Like, yeah, yeah. I used to work there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so my mom had to run into Lucy and Ethel's dancewear in Macomb, Michigan, before they closed to get me a pair of heeled tap shoes for the audition. Mm -hmm. So I didn't use those. I was about as unprepared as a human could possibly be for this audition. And we always have a joke, you know, when we're going into auditions or stressful situations, because an audition is quite a stressful situation. You always say, dance like you don't need the money. Mm, I love that. I was 18 years old and I didn't know what it was like to need the money. I didn't know how difficult it was to carve out your own path as a performer. I didn't know how difficult it was to even be an adult. I was 18. Yeah. Yeah. So I went and I had a great time. I danced my butt off and I danced like I didn't need the money. And they they offered me a job the week before my high school graduation. Wow. Were you, were you shocked? I, I asked them if they were serious several times. I remember. (laughs) That's cute. I couldn't, I absolutely couldn't believe it. Yeah. I remember you in the studio just being so quiet. You know, where do you think the, the drive to even do you think it was that you fell in love with the passion of dancing or 
Was there, did you like being on stage? Like, what was it? Truthfully, I think that I'm a much better communicator through movement than I am in any other mm. form. So I think mm. it, especially, you know, trying to find my footing as I, as I grew older and then, you know, navigated my teenage years and my, my twenties and now my thirties. Yeah. I feel like I can, I can not only communicate better with people, concepts that I can't really explain as well. And I also yeah. feel like dancing helps me now. It, it sort of clears my mind in a way that it helps me communicate better. And I think that, that that was my draw to dance. It was never about performing or being on stage or being seen. It was just. You felt like you got your emotions maybe out or, I mean, you're introverted, right? Very much so. So, so it was a way, yeah, to connect with your emotions probably. Absolutely. It's because yes. it's still, even to this day, I, very introverted. Um, I'm not a big public speaker. I'm not very good at being in the spotlight, which is ironic, having spent so much time on stage in a spotlight. But I'm the same. I'm the same. After modeling for over 20 years, it makes me so I mean, I literally started sweating before we started this. Because so it's like, it's still like, it's still, I'm totally introverted, too. I mean, I remember when I danced that feeling too of just like, being able to escape. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's such a beautiful platform, especially as teenagers. You know, you can work through these complicated emotions in a very organic way, in your own way. So yeah. Such a gift of dance. There's so much research, too, now on the whole body-mind connection and how healing that is. So I want to go back a little bit because I forgot to ask you my very important first question. How would you define beauty or what does being beautiful mean to you? For me, being beautiful is, it's a relationship that you have with yourself. Mm -hmm. It's acceptance and even further, it's embracing your perceived strengths, the things that you perceive as flaws and and just embracing and embodying who you are. Um, I was reading this quote this morning um, by Maya Angelou. She talks about belonging to herself. And when oh, you really belong to yourself, yeah, it, your beauty is in your hands. I think mm-hmm. it's, I know when I grew up, I was obsessed with fashion magazines. Yeah. So I grew up with this, you know, this example of a very, very narrow scope of attributes, which were considered beautiful. Yep. And, you know, if you did not, if you did not meet those, those quota, then, you know, here were the things you could try the $400 face creams the you know, coloring your hair. And in that way, it sort of takes, it takes your beauty out of your hands and places it in everybody else's hands. Oh, you give your power away. Right. And I think it's just such a revolutionary thing to take that power back and decide that, yeah, I am beautiful. And that is something that's up to me. And it's not up to the mirror of the world that is looking back at us. I feel most beautiful when I'm 
acting authentically and I'm around yeah. the best in me, or even if I'm alone doing something like if I'm dancing at my ballet bar behind me, or even just writing. I love that. It's very authentic for me. And that's when I feel beautiful. When you, when hard. you're being authentic. Yeah. I think it's, I love quotes. So I'm just probably going to have just handfuls. I mean, do you know, do you know, you know. but Audrey <laughs> Hepburn said, I think she said like the prettiest girls are the happiest girls. Yeah. Um, feeling of authenticity and kind of carefreeness where you're not worrying about being beautiful, that you feel the most beautiful. Yes. I fully agree that's a good segue into what I want to ask you next, because I think as a dancer, you're held to such a strict body type <laughs> and we've all seen it in the movies like black Swan, you know, there's almost like a mystery that goes on behind the curtains. Do you feel like you ever got cut up in those pressures or it got too much for you at any point that you felt like how you looked owned your mind ever I know I went through that a little bit with modeling you know absolutely and I know that you can relate to this as a dancer but the way that you improve and your your success as a dancer largely depends on your ability to constantly be checking yourself and seeing what you could be doing better how you could improve yeah I've always said in my career that the moment I become complacent is the moment my career ends and it's almost, mm. it's almost impossible for that to not eke into every other area of your life, into your, how you look. And it's, it's facilitated by the, by the employers that you're looking to be hired by. You are reduced to nothing more than your appearance. So that sort mm. of, um, mm. that justifies, you know, the diets and the, you feel like you're doing this for your career. So you have this kind of false sense of security about not taking care of yourself properly and obsessing over your appearance because in large part it will pay off. Did you go through any eating disorder periods or just very obsessive? Did you ever go through that or do you feel like you always had a pretty healthy handle on it? Because I know girls like I mean I know the modeling world the best but I know there's some girls that just organically, naturally, where I had to really work on it. Um, I think coming from like the gymnast dancer background, like I was always told my legs were like a little too muscular, you know? So I was constantly working on it where I would definitely get in really healthy places, but there was definitely times where I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is, I'm thinking about it too much. Yeah. I'm a, in almost every aspect, I'm a woman of extremes. So, okay. you know, and there's something on the books, a photo shoot, a performance, you know, the, the Christmas season starting or even an event. Yeah. It was up until that point, it was, I couldn't train enough and I would eat. What I would eat would just reduce, 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 but it would yeah. be, oh, well, I'm just going to eat a vegan diet in the name of, of course, just losing weight and then oh well I'll just take grains out also and I just won't eat any sugar and then I won't eat any bread and I would just obsess obsess yeah the moment I woke up until the moment I went to bed and it would just that panic it was it's at the root of it it, it was just that I never felt like I was enough as I was yeah 
Well, like you had unworthy. So I would have to like, just keep training harder, taking one more class. And even then it was like, oh, I could have taken just one more class and it would snowball to the point. And this happened so many times that the night before whatever I was so nervous about, I would just break down. I would eat, like I'd order Domino's. I'd drink a bottle of wine and yeah, I would walk into the event and almost in like a self-fulfilled prophecy of yeah, self-sabotage. Yeah. Oh girl, I know all about that. Oh, it was, it's such a nightmare. Yeah. I start so, ate that girl. I know. I have a, I have a question around this because this is just something I think about too. Do you feel like you mentioned that part of it was that you didn't feel enough. Do you feel the pressures from your job made you feel like that? Or do you feel like there was a bit of a foundation of that to begin with? Cause I, I think a lot about this now that I have a daughter, you know, I can blame, I can sit here all day and blame it on the modeling world, which I think there's a lot to sort of still be fixed around all of this sort of image thing that we'll talk about more, but you know, my mom didn't feel that great about herself. So I do think that that got passed down to me a bit. Have you combed through that at all for yourself yet? Abs yeah, absolutely. I also have a mother who's always a bit insecure. So I think that that definitely was passed along. I mean, not on purpose in any way, of course. Of course, yes, but yes. I think, and I was thinking about this this morning, actually, I wonder if, because I was so fascinated by beauty magazines. And I like, as a really young girl, I was very into skincare, I was into makeup, I was into everything. Mm, and I think oh, I that sort of a consumerism, capitalism, scarcity of like, you're not enough until you, yeah. until you use this. And for women, our worth is so intrinsically linked with our appearance. Yes. I think that, I think that I kind of, was inadvertently setting myself up for this this serious imposter syndrome not not enough feeling that's interesting when i went back to modeling this last time after having a couple of pregnancies i needed to lose a little bit of weight but at this time i had a daughter that was three right. so i really started thinking like what kind of message am I sending to her? You know, that I'm trying to make my body be something it didn't want to be at that time. Telling myself that it's not good enough, that it needs to be smaller. So I decided to step away from the modeling world. I'm like, you know what? I need to kind of, I need to think about this and make sure that what I'm doing, I'm being a good role model. But I think past my daughter goes into exactly what you just said. So do you feel like, did you ever feel that being a rocket? Like what kind of message am I sending? Cause I think, you know, little girls, they idolize you guys. They're thinking like, oh, wow, you know, but they don't know, little do they know that you're having to step on a scale every day yeah. when you get to work or, you know, like, have you ever thought of that in your head and like, like how we can change that a bit in our society? Yes, I've given this. Uh, actually, this is something that I've That's a big question. <laughs> well, you know, I had I had quite an arc with is with my career as a rocket because I was there for so many years, and it towards the end, you know, towards the end of my career, 
was when brands and dance companies were getting really involved in social media and using that as a tool mm. to kind of peek behind the curtain. And I'd be lying if I said I was pleased at all with the way that the, the very untruthful way that Rockets are still portrayed even on social media with the perfect French twist and the makeup and the matching tank tops and the it's so it's almost like Stepford Wives when that group of women are warriors. I mean, for 17 years, I stood on stage besides women who did 18 shows while dealing with a miscarriage through a pregnancy, mm. having to go home and be a mother, dealing with cancer um, treatments, women like yeah. women missing their families. Um, funerals choosing to because they had an event that they had already confirmed that they would do these are amazing brilliant and very diverse women and I think that the problem is that's not celebrated at all right and I really wish it would be and I'm not the only rocket who who has spearheaded you know that movement and I think that it just you know when I look at their Instagram accounts and I see these women that I know to be very different and interesting all portrayed so similarly and so narrowly that it does, it, it, it clearly shows that to be a Rockette, you have to fit into this very, very specific mold when that's not really the case. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking, cause in the modeling world, we've definitely branched out. Like I remember when I started, it was, there was no plus size, there was, maybe one black person it was all like were you a blue brunette or were you a blonde you know there was no different shades of skin and we have definitely made some strides there's a long way to go still but i'm thinking about it now in the dance world you haven't really yet there's not there i, I don't know of a plus size dancer just recently have um have companies started to even dancewear companies are just now starting to make point shoes in like just in stock colors that are other than pink wow allowing black dancers to wear tights that are more tuned to their skin rather than pink oh my gosh i didn't know that yeah so it's it's very new and it's definitely you know better late than never i suppose this is something yeah years ago and I know with the Rockettes I think it it was possibly 2018 we were there was an article in the New York Times about how not racially diverse the lines are yeah in time I mean there's 80 women and there are four black women wow yeah and a lot of us a lot of us were voiced really loud concerns about this and we wanted very much to address it and to move forward from it. And the company did take us seriously. Good. Hopes that things will, things will progress more quickly than when I was a part of the dance company. I mean, not this past year because the Christmas spectacular didn't happen, but the year prior, they hired their first physically disabled rocket, which is just massive. So what was her disability? She's missing a hand. Okay. I don't know her personally, so I can't speak yeah. further to it, but yeah, monumental step forward. So I absolutely good. Good for them. I love hearing that. So going back to 
the times that you struggled with your body image, I want to talk now about, you know, to share with our audience a little bit, the things maybe that helped you kind of break those cycles or say, okay, enough, I need to be healthy. Um, do you have any moments? Like I remember one of mine was my recent one when I, I was still healing from a miscarriage of twins and my body was just, it really needed the space to heal. And I'm trying to, you know, make it be a size four and get back. And I just, I just couldn't, I almost had an epiphany. Like, what are you doing? You just need to stop. Did you have any of those like big moments? Yeah. Where it was like enough? <laughs> what are you doing? I was in rehearsal for a performance it was a few dancers performing at a very wealthy man's birthday party in New York City. The woman, the wife was throwing him this surprise party. And it was such a big deal that they had, they were doing a documentary on the planning of the party. Okay. The dancers, myself. Was it Donald Trump? No, it wasn't. I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, I had to. Okay, continue. So we were in the first, you know, we had been rehearsing for a few weeks and this was the first time that the wife of the husband, the birthday boy, was going to come see our performance and see what we were planning to do. And she had the documentary crew with her, which I think was, I believe they were from CNN. Oh, and interesting. So we're dancing. I'm feeling cute. I, you know, I'm doing partnering with the boys and, you know, having a good time. I, you know, love dancing. And the woman stops everything and just starts berating me about my body, about the fact that I, I'm flat chested. I have no curves. I just like, there's nothing sexy about me. Like, what is her husband going to like? Oh my gosh. I have television cameras in front of my friends who I was dancing with. And the weird thing as, as somebody who has always looked for external validation on my appearance and on beauty, because it's, it's difficult not to in the performing world, I was like, eh, yeah, I don't want to do this gig. Good. And I didn't cry. I didn't, I didn't feel bad. Good. I remember it's a little bit hazy, but I remembered finishing the rehearsal, knowing that I was not going to be doing this job, being very grateful for it. And we were rehearsing at Elvin Ailey Studios. And I have um, a woman who's very dear to my heart teaches yoga there. Her name is Irene Rez. And she's she's kind of like one of my mentors. So I just went downstairs because I knew she was teaching. And I took yoga and I was face to face with myself in the mirror. And I think that might have been one of the very first times where I thought, you know what? I like myself. Good. I may not be perfect. In fact, far from it. I have tortured this body to the ends of the earth between 18 show weeks and terrible diets. And then yeah. diets on the other end of the spectrum. But I'm still kicking. I'm still, I still look good. I still... Yeah. I still get up and walk through New York City every day and go to one of the most famous stages in the world. I realized that I could have this relationship with myself and that I deserved to be in charge of that, not some woman who is trying to make her husband hot over some young dancers. Totally. I mean, that that's a pivotal moment when you can 
not get upset by that and say, I am good enough. I had no idea. I think the most startling thing about that entire experience was my reaction. Horrible, potentially horrible thing. It turned out to be one of the, like one of the best gifts of my life. I kind of like me. Yep. I don't Nothing care happens. about 32, 31 double A. I'm cool with that. Like that's what yeah. I got. <laughs> yeah. After sort of processing moments of not feeling good enough, do you think you were finally like, okay, I feel, I feel good enough now. I, it had to be that I don't, I can't believe that it would be something that just comes out of nowhere, but I don't have specific ideas about it. I mean, so there wasn't like a book you read, or I guess that's what I'm thinking. Like, was there a book you read or, uh, or other moments that kind of led up to that? At that Maybe you just got wiser and older. I think that's all that happened. It's yeah. not, I, I mean, I'm, I'm making it sound easier than it was. There were a thousand moments, a thousand times you get typecasted out because you're too tall, too short, your hair's too red, your hair's not long enough. Yeah. Or, you know, and there's so many moments where you stand there and people talk about you in front of you, like you're not there and like you're not more than just this physical shape that is no more than a number. I was just saying perhaps it was time, maybe processing it in a very conscious way. Maybe I got to that place without really knowing it. Yep, I think so. It sounds like it. Did you ever have moments in your career where you weren't picked for front and center and you wanted to be, or you didn't get the role you wanted. How, I mean, my, where I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is, okay, you came to this spot where this lady belittled you, you look in the mirror and you're like, I am good enough. Maybe, maybe you built resilience over the years, you know, like how did you deal with those moments? Did you have any advice to give to maybe any younger people listening or older me give me some advice (laughs) (laughs) it's it's something that you you have to build in it when you carve out your own career as a performer because you are in those situations quite often in gigs outside of radio city where I was auditioning and being cut and you know kind of weeding through that and finding the good and the bad in those situations as you overanalyze them because we all do and then Radio City you know not everybody gets to do tree lighting not everybody gets to do Macy's and and you just you have to continually put your faith on you you have to you have to bet on yourself yep I mean to the point of almost to the point of like disregarding it as I mean if you have to tell yourself that whoever that was was an idiot or they were wrong that's great do it you have There are things that you can solidly control in life and there are things that you can't. And what you can control is focusing on yourself. I think it's also just showing up and doing the best that you can and then letting the rest happen the way it's going to. Um, As long as you're showing up, that's the the most important thing. This episode is sponsored by The Shoreline, a resort and travel brand. Inspired by the beach, made in the city, bringing you classic silhouettes with a salty spirit. Proudly designed in the USA by women for women. Visit www.thisistheshoreline.com and use code BBP15 for 15% off your first order.
Do you guys have the saying like that you'll get like a thousand no's before you get a yes? Yeah, I've definitely Is heard that, that one. Yeah. Like we always have that, like you're going to get, especially like in, in acting or auditions, commercials, like you're going to get so many no's. You have to learn how to get told no. And I think that builds a lot of resilience after a while. That's such a great skill. Just yeah. no, and not taking it personally. Yep. And not yeah. taking it personally. Yeah. You know, we tend to just assume the worst and just assume that we were unworthy. We were not good enough, but Sometimes it's just, it's just not your day. Sometimes they were looking for somebody taller. They had a different idea in mind. It's not always a dig at your talent or your appearance. Yeah. Or, and it's not, it's absolutely never a sign that you're on the wrong path. Do you feel being healthy physically, mentally, emotionally is a big part of being beautiful and confident? Would you say that those things, like taking care of your health, being active? Absolutely. But with the caveat that the, being healthy physically, spiritually, mentally looks very different for everyone. And mm -hmm. with the further caveat that it changes so many times in our lives. Yeah. Sometimes what is best for me, if to feel spiritually healthy, to feel mentally good, and then to feel physically good is, you know, taking my girlfriend Tori's Pilates class and like getting a cute burn, feeling good about myself and drinking a protein shake afterwards. But sometimes in order to achieve that same, that same state of happiness and feeling good about myself, it means sitting on the couch with chips and guac. Yeah. I've learned I love that lot during you know this time you know since we locked down in New York City in March because of the pandemic I've really you know I've gotten very intimate with my with what works for me and what makes me feel good and I've seen how often that changes yeah and I realized that maybe all of those rigid ideas that maybe I was trying to enforce on myself was part of the problem so yeah very, like flexible and very fluid what works for me each day that sounds fun you're kind of <laughs> discovering you know discovering a new way of living a new way of being a new way of listening to your intuition yeah I'm a um, big fan of regeneration and rebirth so my best use of this time so far has been being forced to face these things and understand what really is self-care for me and what really does help me feel good physically not just these patterns that I forced myself into what, my life. What is self-care to you right now? What'd you say? Like, what are your go-to self-care things in the moment? My favorite self-care thing at the moment, it was definitely therapy. <laughs> yes. I love, love, love some therapy. <laughs> therapy has been such a gift to me because the more I the more I untangle and work through what I have going on, you know, the mess inside me, the more space I have for this new relationship with myself, creating new patterns, having more space for my friends and my family. Yeah. Then this is my first time actually putting into practice the idea that we, that we build our relationships with ourselves from the inside out rather than the outside in. 
as a young huh. girl, I always thought, well, if I was prettier, you know, if I was more beautiful by the standards that I saw in front of me, I would be more worthy of love and worthy of accepting and therefore my life would improve. I think I can say with absolute confidence after half of my lifetime trying that out, that it's not really the way to go. Yeah. Now this whole process, I, you know, I think about it all the time of working from the outside in. Yeah. If I feel good inside. I'm going to feel good outside. If I feel good, yep. inside, I'll want to take the Pilates class or do a ballet class and it won't just be forcing myself into it through shame and, and old patterns. I mean, you can look perfect, but if you don't feel good, you're just not going to feel beautiful. It's just, exactly. it's just, it's impossible. You talked a little bit about self-sabotaging earlier. Probably doesn't happen as much, but what about um, the days you just, you know, you get off course, you have a few unhealthy days. What are sort of your, what's your reset? Absolutely. Water. Water is my go-to always, but I kind of start that process because I am really prone to shaming myself. You know, it's mm -hmm. almost like I have like a very stereotypical, like mean ballet teacher in my head who is like my guiding, my Jiminy Cricket, my evil Jiminy Cricket. Mm -hmm. but I have to yep. really carefully. So I usually try to, I try to like actually articulate what I would, how I would, how I would answer that question for a friend. Like if you were to ask me that question. Okay. Yeah. So try to like give advice and then take that advice because I find that that's more, that's more authentic and more kind than the way that I tend to treat myself. Like yeah. That, kind of have to work backwards a little bit. So what would you tell yourself right now? Tell me more about that. I would tell myself that I need to put on some Pink Floyd, get out the foam roller, move this yeah. chair and just roll out my muscles, stretch a little bit, and then sit down with my bullet journal and start writing out what's on my mind and what's bothering me, what I want to do differently and why. That's I love that. I love so what journal. <laughs> so what's bothering you, what you would do differently and why, and then do you say how, like, or what you're going to do? Yes. Yes, I have to. And I've learned from my girlfriend, Sam, you have to be very clear about your goals. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Eating healthier. For me, it's, it's, you know, not eating 40 Tostino's pizza rolls for dinner because I was working on a 10 page essay and I didn't feel yeah. it. It's, I'm going to stick with, you know, these are the recipes I want to make this week. I'm going to make this meal plan. I'm going to stick to it you know, with reasonable exceptions. Totally. You have to plan. You have to set yourself up to win. I'm the yeah. same. Otherwise I just end up grabbing like granola and like, and then I'm like, wait, I can grab vegetables. I can, and I'll feel better, you know, but if I'm not consciously thinking of it, it's so easy to default. Yes. I need the bullet journal to keep like, to keep all of this conscious. Is one of your go-tos for mental health your bullet journal? Yes. What is a bullet journal? Do I, should I know this? <laughs> I need to know this. It's definitely a labyrinth. So when you when you look into it, it's kind of a Pandora's box. But it's writing just, this down. It's honestly, I have a notebook, just a regular grid notebook that I do. I 
draw my own monthly plans and weekly plans within it where I keep track of my life. Okay. And I also keep track of, I have a mood tracker. Okay. I, Love I that. Track of the habits that I'm trying to develop. Like okay. Month, I think I'm tracking hydrate, move. So 30 minutes of physical activity. Walk a day. Okay. I give myself grace. Yes. I think I need to work out every day. If there's a day that I'm not into it, I just don't do it. But that day just doesn't get a mark. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love that. I and love that, giving ourselves grace. We have to. Absolutely. If we don't Especially when you come from the backgrounds we have of being so rigid. It's then, so important to like make those goals, but remembering the grace part. It's a daily practice. Same it's a daily practice. I don't get that done. But I like to keep track of things so I can see my habits, so I can see what I'm doing. It's like my little number one go-to place for all the things that I need to do, that I dream about. There are pages where I just like, do a brain dump and I just write down everything I'm thinking about. I'm like, I love okay. that. I love journaling. Journaling journaling is like my one of my passions. I love what you said about the tracking because I think there's a big difference between tracking and getting information and tracking to shame ourselves. You know, you can weigh yourself daily and you can shame yourself because you gained weight or whatever, or you can use it as information. There was years where I did not have a scale. I'm a big believer if like the scale drives you crazy, throw it away. But it also can be so helpful if you are setting a goal, if you need to, you know, get leaner for your health or to feel better, it can be good information. So I love the difference in that. I do. Um, I'm very thoughtful about what I'm tracking and why. Yeah. I like the accountability, but it's so easily, you know, moves all the way over to shaming myself. And shaming. It's a fine line. It's a very fine line that we are walking. When do you feel the most beautiful? I feel the most beautiful when I'm doing, when I'm really in my authentic self and I'm not, I'm so, I'm feeling so authentic that I'm not thinking about myself. I love that. You said that in the beginning. Line with my sister at Cortino in Chicago or, you know, sitting on the couch with my husband laughing about something on social media. It's just, yeah. it's when I click into that, to that inner being of who I am and I let go of, oh, my ankles are a little bit wider than I wish they were. Or, oh, I got an A minus on that paper instead of an A, which is a bananas thing to worry about. Just, you know, those yeah. little things that sort of, take you away from being in the moment. But when you're really just in the moment, enjoying yourself and not thinking about it, I think that's when we are the most beautiful. Yeah, I agree. You're such a creative and I feel like you do a really good job at keeping like your creative mind busy. Do you have any suggestions on that? So for a long time, I never did anything that I didn't know I was good at. And that means I didn't do a lot of things that I was really interested in. Mm. And that's, that became kind of sad after a while. Yeah. So I, especially as of late, because I, because there is no performing going on. So I'm not on stage. I'm not in a dance studio with a bunch of other people with their energy moving through space. 
I really needed to find different ways to express myself creatively. And it just sort of, as soon as I started, it was like a Pandora's box. It was like, I'd see something on Etsy and I was like, oh, I think I could make that. Let me try. And all of a sudden that relentless fear of failure was gone. I had read something that said that one of the keys to a happy life is always being a beginner. It gives me a sense of like a tangible sense of accomplishment. Yes. Maybe I wouldn't otherwise be getting right now. I always say that if you don't have a sense of accomplishment in your life, you just won't feel fulfilled, whether it's making your bed in the morning, making the Christmas wreaths, being on stage with the radio city rockets. Like you have to have something. And I have to be honest when I painted my first room in the house, it was our, you know, the, the bedroom. It was a, it was a massive sense of accomplishment. It didn't have to be on stage with Pitbull to get that sense of accomplishment. It it became about me and accomplishing something, not about accomplishing something that would impress other people. Yeah, which is such an important change for you know the way that maybe I would have looked at things when I was younger. Now that I I'm love that focused on developing from an internal place, it, it's I love that. Where do you think um, confidence comes from? Practice. Confidence comes from practice. Doing things that make you nervous mm-hmm. repeatedly. I love that. That is so cool. I think hard I, work. I think that Putting I didn't in the work. Said that well for yes, how challenging it is. I said it so off the cuff, but no, that's totally crazy hard. I read the book Rejection Proof. Mm-hmm. And it's about a man who was terrified of hearing the word no, which is something we talked about earlier. So he set out on this, this journey to, and continually daily did things that he knew would result in somebody saying no to him. Oh, wow. And it changed him as a person. It changed him as a, as a business person. It just changed his life in every way. Yeah. Really? And it really improved his confidence. Yeah. The lesson there is when you do things, even though you're scared, you realize that just because you don't feel confident about something, that isn't a sign that something's wrong. Yeah. I love that. It's so true. Okay. We're going to finish up, but if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something about beauty, confidence, self-acceptance, body image, any of that. What would, what would you tell yourself? I've been, you know, I've been thinking about this question for days and I just, gosh, I wish I had something so beautiful and profound for my 10 year old self because she's definitely worthy of it. That little rudderless ship with the messy ponytail and holes in her tights. Like cutie. (laughs) I think you know, something that's always worked for me, something that I say to myself, I say it to my girlfriends is that sometimes you have to walk through the fire. And I think while that was maybe not exactly what I would say to my 10 year old self, I would just tell her to just keep going. Yeah. Try to explain that feelings of uncertainty are not signs that you're wrong. Yeah. Signs that something great is about to happen. So just keep pushing. I love that signs of uncertainty are, are not always signs that something's wrong. 
Yeah. I mean, my mind was blown the first time somebody said to me, don't believe everything you think. Mm -hmm. Wait, what? You know, some, we have old patterns and we have habits that just sort of pop things in there that just are not applicable. They're not who we are anymore. Thank you so much for joining me. It was so nice chatting with you. Um, If you guys want to find Nicole, you can find her on Instagram at Nicole Schumann. It's just Nicole Schumann, right? I think so. Um, (laughs) Or on her website, www.nicoleschumann.com. And yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's always good to see your face. I know. I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining another Beyond Beauty Project conversation. At the end of the day, we're all in this together. Don't forget to check out our website at www.beyondbeautyproject.com where you can find all of our socials. And don't be shy. Bridget wants to hear from you. So feel free to send a DM or an email to let us know your thoughts and what you'd like to hear about next. See you beauties on the next Beyond Beauty Project. Catch us next Tuesday. This podcast episode is designed to be for informational and discussion purposes only. I am not a doctor and I'm not trained as a medical provider or counselor. I do not provide medical care or attempt to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical ailment or any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition on this podcast. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding your personal medical condition. Do not disregard recommended medical advice or treatment or delay in seeking professional medical advice because of information or content obtained from this podcast. If you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, please contact your own health care provider promptly. For urgent medical needs, please contact your health care provider or call 911 immediately.